You're listening to Crosstalk, Conversations with Curtis. Crosstalk, Conversations with Curtis is brought to you by... You know, there are few relationships more solid than the bond between a man and his barber. For years, I've gotten my cut with Gene the Barber. Gene has been cutting my hair for more than 20 years. Call him directly at 240-687-7253 and make an appointment. Gene the Barber, 240-687-7253. A-Squared Home and Office Solutions is the go-to source for home or office network and audiovisual solutions. We can help with smart home integration, wireless networking, media rooms, security systems, and more. We will link technology to your lifestyle seamlessly. Visit HomeAndOfficeSolutions.com for more info. You're listening to Crosstalk, Conversations with Curtis. Here's your host, Curtis Cross. Welcome to the Conversation Conversations with Curtis. I am your host, Kurt Cross, and as always, I'm excited to be here with you today. Today, we're going to get into a great conversation, but first, I want to thank our sponsors, Gene the Barber and A-Squared Home and Office Solutions. Be sure to connect with me socially at Curtis Talks. That's Curtis with a K on Instagram and Twitter, and of course, www.curtistalks.com. Please take a listen to our other podcasts, Crosstalk, The Curtis and Paula Show, a lifestyle, love, marriage, and parenthood podcast. You'll hear about the day-to-day life of me and and Paula. Take a T.O. with Turner and O'Neill, a local and national sports podcast hosted by myself, along with Coach Steve Turner and Casey O'Neill. Ramblin' Teachers, a local teacher talk podcast hosted by a few friends of the Crosstalk family, the Midnight Truck Stop and 911 Radio. Both of those podcasts are hosted by Big T and Blue Knight over on the left coast, the west coast in Los Angeles, California. You'll hear, you'll hear great stories from truckers. 911 calls, law enforcement officers, and a host of interesting guests. All of these podcasts can be found on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcast content. Once again, you are listening to Crosstalk Conversations with Curtis, and I thank you for joining today's conversation. Today, I'd like to welcome to the conversation, Nathan Bry. Nathan, how's it going, fella? I'm very well, thank you, Curtis. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, and right now, I'm looking at about 78, 79 degrees in a beautiful, sunny, slightly breezy day, but where you are, talk to the people about where you are, sir. I'm from Christchurch, New Zealand, so uh, technically talking to you from the future, because you're a day behind. (laughs) Yes, we are. Um, it's about 7 a.m. here. It's still dark, but it's going to be about 78 here as well. All right. Well, and you did the conversion because you told me 26 Celsius centigrade or what have you, right? Correct. Yeah, we have the metric system here. All right. So it is, as everyone should, but no, us Americans, we, we get it right. So us and like one other country don't deal with metric, right? No, exactly. You know, you, you don't need the metric system when you can measure how tall a person is by how many hamburgers are stacked high to get to them. You know, it's uh... how far high can we <laughs> stack those? Um, and it is uh, like you said, it is you're going into your fall season. Is that correct? Yes, it's been a very good summer for us. A very dry summer. Um, so I'm looking forward to the cooler weather. I work in construction. So having some cooler weather and not sweating so much. Very much looking forward to. You know, I asked on a different podcast, I asked one time, let me, let's do this. Um, You have postal carriers or letter carriers in New Zealand, I assume. Is that correct? Postman, I used to be one, yes. All right. Would you rather work on the hottest days on a roof or would you rather work through all elements as a postal carrier? Oh, probably postal carrier. Actually, all weathers. Through the rain, through whatever. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, I got you. Well, let's introduce you properly, Nate, to the uh, everyone who's watching and listening. From an early age, Nate was a storyteller. Throughout his early life, he followed creative pursuits from guitar roles in high school musicals to creative writing. He dreamed of being an actor in his teenage years, but as life does, life went a different way. He wrote as a hobby through his early and mid yeah early and mid twenties. But it was not until his late thirties where stand up comedy that his writing became a focus. I could continue to read Mr. Bride, but I want you to take it from there. You uh, struggled to find yourself, but talk to us about where you were, where you are, and how this all came together for you. Yeah, I mean, I was, <clears throat> as you just read in my bio, I was always a very much a creative person. I followed creative pursuits through high school with musicals, drama, playing musical instruments, singing. And as you said, my my dream as a teenager was to be a big famous actor. Um, but, you know, life gets in the way, as it does. Sure. Um, and so, you know, I got married young. I had kids. I had to have a job. And I left those pursuits behind. And it, it wasn't until I started comedy that I realized, hey, this is this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be a creative person. And it reminded me of it. Um, and it started from there. I started doing my comedy. I did it for three and a half years before I took a break. Okay. Um, and the break was due to New Zealand going into lockdown for COVID-19. Right, right, right. Um, at the time, I thought, hey, this is a great chance to write my first hour comedy show because that's where I was about in my career create an hour show, travel around the New Zealand and Australian comedy festivals and, and show it off. Um, but first week of lockdown, I just had no motivation, no energy. Sure. So I started writing stories once more. Um, and book one, Slave Boy, came from that five weeks off in lockdown. All right. and I, But that's not where it stopped. You have another book on the way. Is that correct? Yep. There is six books in this series. So... Book one's been published, Slave Boy. Book two, Blood Child, should be out hopefully July, August. So when are we looking for Slave Boy? Um, Slave Boy, any of your online retailers, um, I think they're in the US, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, places like that, you can pick up a copy. Oh, Um, it's it's available available now. Yeah, yeah, Slave Boy came out December last year. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, for some reason I thought we were talking about it's in production and we're, we're almost there. No, no, no. Slave Boy, yeah. It's available in ebook or it's in, in paperback version. No audiobook yet. I'm still working through those details. All right, all right. Well, we're, of course, we want to see good luck with that. So, folks, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, go online. If it's, I mean, if it's available, it's online. You can find it. Slave Boy, let's go ahead and Google it. You can find that. So, you know, let's get back to the struggle to find yourself. How do you get through that? What do you say to folks who might be struggling to find themselves? How did you pinpoint where you belonged? Just trying different things. I mean, I, I job job hopped for most of my life. A lot of people do. You go from job to job trying to find your place. My main career was hospitality, okay. bars, restaurants, hotels. Um, I, my first job in a hotel was 16 as a bellhop. Okay. Um, so hospitality was my mainstay, but I did job jump between different avenues, different careers, different industries. Um. And I was just lost. I had really no idea what I wanted to do apart from earn an income. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until the first time I got on stage as a stand-up comedian and I'm like, yeah, this is me. So, right. you know, any advice to people, just keep trying different things until you find what you love, find what drives you. And then you grab onto that and you run with it. So you're on the stage 
you figure this is what you want to do or you realize is there an epiphany is there that aha moment did you did you drop a joke and and the people received you well did you fail and you said well i can't fail at this so i'm going to keep trying how did that process work for you both sides of that coin actually curtis i mean the first time i did a complete set and got really good laughs i mean there's no better feeling in the world when that audience is right with you hanging on your words and you drop a good gag and the audience erupts that's the best feeling in the world but you do have those nights on stage where the audience is not with you or perhaps you're not performing at your best and you bomb and it's just as you said you're like no no i need to work better i need to work harder so it's both sides of the coin for that you know it's fascinating because um i've had those moments as you know when i was 13 i became a dj and you know when you're in a nightclub in new york city or washington dc or miami and you just you're dying to drop this one song in your set and the crowd just appreciates it so much i would i would rival what you said that's there's no better feeling in the world but as a dj you also can clear a dance floor so i know what that's like on both sides of that coin as you said so uh excuse me so comedy's where you found now is slave boy is that in the comedy realm or tell me about that book no, I mean, I, I've in my adult life, I've always been a reader of sci-fi or fantasy, um, just because when I read, I want a break from reality. I want that escapism. And so when I started writing stories, the story that came out was in the fantasy genre. Um, and the story, to be honest, had been in my head for a couple of years. Okay. So it was, it was good to finally get it down um, onto paper. Um, like how I get my ideas is like from a little child I hated going to bed as a small child we all did we wanted to stay up so in order to to have fun when I went to bed as a small child I'd I'd build things in my head Um, so as a five and six year old I would be building cars or buses with heaps of fancy stuff on it and then as I got older those dreams as I was going to sleep or the things I was building got more and more complicated and it got to the stage in my late 30s where I was building houses in my head um, and that evolved into a medieval church and then there was a city around the medieval church and then I built the country that had the city then I populated it full of characters and then storylines and that's where the Demok Chu series came from which is I'm writing at the moment I'm loving it so you, we, we can't ask for too much but that's a start so that if that's not enough to get you guys to buy the book I'm sorry but that's enough to get me interested so I love it so now how are you balancing that and you know of course COVID hit so that you know puts a halt to a lot of things worldwide so mm-hmm. now where are you in the process are we getting back on stage at some point or are we fully immersed in the writing or where are we I have talked with my coach and said that after the second book is out, I'm going to take a break before I bring the third book out so I can get back into comedy. Um, However, I'm so immersed in the writing and the stories just in my head need to come out and they need to come out quickly. Um, So I think it's going to be at least book three, four or even five before I even think about writing comedy again. Um, Just want to focus on the books for now. Plus where I am in Christchurch, um, so we're only a small city. We have about three hundred and fifty thousand people. Okay. There was two comedy clubs. That's now down to one because of COVID and the, and the lack of business. Um, so stage time is going to be a little bit hard. So I'll just focus on the writing for now. Here's the thing. So my dad told me years ago. My dad passed, you know, uh, ten years ago. But 
One thing he told me about perfection and the pursuit of being your best is he would always tell me a story about James Brown, the musical artist, who, if he had an idea at three o'clock in the morning, he's calling all the band members and they got to get in the studio right now because he's got to get that idea out. Is that how it is for you? I mean, you said that you've got these ideas, you've got to get them out. So comedy takes a back seat to the writing of this series. So do you find yourself coming up with these ideas and like, I've got to get this on paper. I mean, technically, are you writing on paper? Or we're typing it out, I assume, but is that how you operate? When I'm doing comedy, I'm writing pen and paper. For some reason, I prefer to write that down. Um, for the book, though, because it's so much more, I am writing onto computer, so I'm typing. But there'll be, I used to, when I did comedy, carry a small notebook everywhere I went. Right. I'd be on the bus, I'd be driving, I'd be wherever, and I was like, oh, there's an idea for a joke. So I'd write that down, you know. Um, with the book, obviously, we've always got our phones on us. People can't live without their phones. So if I'm at work or wherever and I have an idea for the book or the story, I get out my phone, put the voice recorder on, and I record a, a voice note to myself. And then later on when I'm writing, I'll bring them up, which is kind of good for me. Strange for people around me. Like I've been in a food court, <laughs> stopped it stopped in the middle and started speaking into my phone and then put it in my pocket. And people must think I'm completely crazy. Right. Truly. Right. So the ideas come out and you've got to get them out because this is going to make for your writing style, who you are and how you want to, of course, you know, uh, uh, tell your story. So I, I want to mm. go back for a quick second. Uh, you mentioned from job to job to job. Um, and was that the, the part of your life where you were just trying to find where you belonged? Were we just serving a financial purpose? Look, I know I got to have a job because I got to make money. Mm. Were those things fulfilling for you? Do you think those things stacked into a pyramid that got you where you are? What purpose did those jobs and those times serve in your life? You explained it really well, how you said it all stacked into a pyramid. I mean, where all of us are right now is a combination of all the life experience we've gone through to get to where we are. Um, and as I said, I experienced many different industries. I enjoyed most of the industries I was in. I did retail. I sold motorcycles for a while. Motorcycles was my passion. Um, hospitality, like bars, restaurants, and hotels, that was a good life for a while. Um, but as you get older, because hospitality in New Zealand and Australia is very much party orientated, sure. very much social, going out drinking a lot. And that's great for a young man. Not so good for a 40-year-old. You know, the body can't handle that anymore. But no, it's – I was thinking about this the other day that about all my past jobs and job hopping. And even in my late 20s, early 30s, it just felt like I was a little boy looking up at this big wide world thinking, where do I fit in here? How do I fit into this scheme of things? Mm -hmm. um, but – if I hadn't gone through that job hopping, if I hadn't gone through that time being a little bit lost, you're right, I wouldn't be where I am now. You know, it took all those false ends to get to the right path for me. And I can be cliche. We can say, you know, you grow through what you go through and all that stuff. But, you know, I prefer to use the term, you know, to get to something, sometimes you have to go through something. And, you know, yeah. what you've gone through has gotten you to the point. I assume you're, you're happy with the books. And this is, yeah. you, know, you feel like you're your best self when you're, you're writing these books. Um, let's talk about um, the world. You know, a year ago, we, we went through something. How did New Zealand go through what you guys had to go through with COVID? And from talks that you and I had prior to now, I think you guys handle it pretty expeditiously. What would you say? Yes. Um, luckily, 
the New Zealand government, led by our Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, jumped on it very quickly, um, i.e. March last year, before March, I hadn't even heard of COVID-19. I don't follow the news because I'm lost in my own little world a lot sure. of the time. And we're at work and on a because I work in construction, we're on a construction site and the one of the um, foremen came over and said, oh, tomorrow we're closing the site down. I said, I said, why? And they said, oh, the COVID-19 thing. I said, what's that? Uh-oh. <laughs> and so the, the, the next day that site was closed. I was moved to another site. So that night at home, I, I Googled it and found out what was happening. I was like, oh, this is quite serious. But one more day at work and then New Zealand went into level four lockdown where the only people allowed out were essential workers. And for five weeks, you know, 80% of the population stayed home. Um, and we kicked it in the butt, so to speak. Um, I think we've had a lot less deaths and illnesses than a lot of other countries. Um, our borders are still shut mm-hmm. from memory. But the best thing about what the New Zealand government did is they gave everybody who had a job and couldn't work an allowance, a financial allowance each week. Um, it wasn't huge, but we could survive off it. Right. Um, and because of that, and we hit it in the butt very early, New Zealand's open, like to ourselves. We can, there's no lockdown, there's no restrictions at all. Um, there's been a couple of times where a, a new community outbreak, say in Auckland, which is our biggest city, and they might lock that city down or go to like slight restrictions sure. until it passes. Um, <laughs> but pretty much we're very lucky in New Zealand. It was handled very well. And our politicians listen to the doctors and the scientists and the healthcare workers, which is what a government should do. <laughs> right. You know, and I don't, so. I don't get too heavy into the politics or religion, but no. I think you have a, uh, you have an example there in New Zealand that, uh, you know, not everyone has followed, shall we say? The whole world Correct. has not followed. Um, so uh, just to, you said you had very few deaths, or whatever. Just to quote some numbers, we're at five hundred forty-six thousand, a half a million. A half a million deaths here with 30 million people um, contracting the virus. So um, I, I don't think your numbers are there. So kudos to your prime minister for the way those things were handled, of course. Now, so what was that period like for you, though? You were indoors and were, you know, how do you get groceries? How do you do the, just the day-to-day things that you are used to doing? I mean, for me, even though we had sickness and death, for me it was a good time because because I had job hopped. I hadn't had a holiday in quite some time. Right. So that five weeks off for me was absolutely bliss. It was fantastic. And of course, I wrote 90% of the manuscript for my first novel. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was great. I mean, we were allowed out to go grocery shopping. So mm-hmm. we could go to supermarkets, but we had to wear masks. We had to sanitize our hands. You were only allowed like 40 people in the supermarket at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was big lines, but it was just it was just part of life. Um so it was just yeah, walking every day, doing some writing. Um, luckily, we could still buy beer at the supermarket, right. so I got to relax and have a quiet beer. It was fantastic. So excellent, excellent. So, what? Tell me what these days are like. We're writing the novel, of course. Excuse me, we're writing the book, of course. But what? What's on the horizon for you? I know we we have a series we have to write. Obviously, um, we're going to mm-hmm. get to comedy. You know when 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 it calls you back, but the. I don't think you can put the pin down right now to to get to that. So what's in your future? What's next? What are you thinking? Well, it's funny because this book series, there's six books. Um, There's a character in the first book, Slave Boy, 
that's in it very briefly and disappears. Now, I've had a few friends who've said to me, hey, what happens to that character? We want to know more about him. And I agreed. So there's a chance I'm going to do a small trilogy based in the same world for this character. Um, I released a video on my Instagram yesterday mm-hmm. telling the world that I get sidetracked easily, and I do. Sure. Um, so once the third book in the series is, is written, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to go and, and start the side project, which will all tie in nicely with the current series I'm writing. I mean, actually, I lie. I've already done an introduction, two chapters, and a chapter plan for the side project. Uh, I can't help myself. <laughs> oh, no, no. This just sounds great because now I, I think, is it safe to say you found where you belong, right? Yes, this is the creative outlet I've been looking for for a very long time. I mean, I've always wanted some way to get my imagination. Uh-oh. Oh, technical difficulties again. Uh, oh, we're still there. I'm still here. There we go. My apologies for that. Um, I've always looked for a way to get my creativity, my imagination out there, and, and now I've found that outlet. So. And I'm looking at the book now, and... I don't want to butcher this, so tell me, how do I say the name of this series? Well, let me try. The Demok Chu series? Oh, very good. Yeah, Demok Chu. Demok Chu series. I'm looking at it right now. Now, go ahead. Now, that is, people have asked me, what's the Demok Chu? Now, obviously, in the book, there's a lot of different races, so I had to create different languages. Mm-hmm. Um and Demok Chu is in the Outlander language, and that means Demon Child. Um, the series was supposed to be called the Demon Child series, okay. but there's already a series out there called the Demon Child series, hence sure. I had to name it something else. So, And Demok Chu is a little bit different, and it has a nice wee ring to it. So, No, it absolutely does, and I'm looking at it, and I can, man, I can add it to my Kindle library. I can do a whole bunch of stuff with this. Yeah, so, it's relatively cheap too. So we worked hard to make it that cheap, actually. So well, I'm looking right at it in paperback at thirteen ninety nine, and it's by. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, it's written by you. I've got you right here in front of me. I'm talking yeah, to indeed. a real life star right here. No, so folks, look, I'm looking on Amazon right now. Slave Boy, Book One of the Demok Chu series, paperback. It came out December six, two thousand twenty. So you can purchase it for $13.99, and it is on Prime, so you can get it here. Really, It tells me if I buy it now, it'll be here by Sunday. So, folks, there's a book. There's going to be some good reading. I think that I read it's 300 and some pages. Is that correct? 370, yes. Yes, yes. A small book when it comes to fantasy, but, you know. No, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm looking at the book. So these are some exciting things that you're doing. So what is, talk to me, your elevator pitch. I'm meeting you for the first time. What do people need to know about you? I'm a bit weird. Really? I have a big imagination. Um, I, I love to joke around. I love to laugh. I mean, laughter is, as they say, I hate to be a cliche, is one of the best medicines out there. Um, I love to laugh. I love to give love um, in all manner of, of aspects. Um, there's just not enough kindness and politeness in the world, and that's what I'm about, or try to be. No, you're, so. you're absolutely correct. And I don't understand why there isn't i mean we could you and i could be on here for hours talking about that but let's just mm-hmm. touch on it for a minute i guess i don't i don't understand it you and i did not know each other a month ago now you and i no. are, are podcasting together um and you know where did we miss that in the world where, where did we miss that what, what do you think i think people are just so tied up in their own lives they don't reach out 
Um, obviously, people like ourselves that are on social media um, and looking to make connections and talk to people, we're in a, a better place than those that are stuck in their own wee lives and refuse to reach out. Um, I mean, that's that's probably the, the highlight or the good thing about this modern technology and social media is here you and I are on the opposite sides of the world sharing a fantastic conversation and just talking. And we couldn't know? do that. I mean... I mean, 10 years ago, short 20, maybe, maybe, but, you know, 25 years ago, that doesn't happen. And, um, no. you know, you know, I'm able to bring these stories to people, tell your story, hopefully get, I, I want to see those numbers jump on Slave Boy. I'd really like to see that and, and get some oh, more so sales. I. <laughs> but, um, I mean, for me, it's because um, I still work in construction during the day mm-hmm. as well as an author. And I'm working 60 hours a week, Monday to Friday and then trying to find time to write in the evenings or the weekends. So I have a pretty busy schedule. You know, hopefully, no, not hopefully, when Slave Boy and the other books start selling more, I'll be able to stop working in construction and focus on being an author full-time, and that's the dream, to make a living out of my imagination, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Tell those stories that need to be told. Absolutely. Mm. So, so going back to what we were talking about, I think, you know, you know, the, the social media is, it is the double edged sword. I mean, you know, you know what's is, the number yeah. one thing that we want? We want likes. We want to put something out there and get people to like it. Um, but I mm. think as a people, as humans, not Americans, not Africans, not, you know, Asians, but as humans, I think we put too much value in what others think. You know, correct. Instead of our own perception or our own expectation of our self, um, and I think that we we reach too much for what we believe we're supposed to reach for. You know, you know. I, I spoke to someone on a different podcast, and it was, "What's the first thing you go to a party? You meet someone. The first thing you ask is, what do you do?'" And that is supposed to qualify us, and that's supposed to put us in a certain lane, so that people know, okay, this person is worth talking to, or, or where their worth is. But that's, I mean, what I do. So, okay, I'm in the DJ business. I'm a podcaster. But does that make me who I am? Or is it because I'm a father, a husband, a friend, you know, and, and, and a random guy who's interviewing Nate Bry, you know, from, I don't know, how many miles away are we? We've got to be five. No, we've got to be eight to 10,000 miles away from each other, right? Uh, you're in Washington, aren't you, you said? Yes. That's about a, for me to get to you. So I flew today. That's an hour from our main international airport for me by plane okay. and then it'd be 13 hours from Auckland to LA and then whatever LA to Washington. That's going to be five and a half hours. So yeah, 18 to 20 hours to get to you. Um, and I've done that flight. I've been to the US three times. So, well, let me tell you right now, if I'm going to go to Auckland, it is 18,006. No, oh, yeah. 18,161 miles away. <laughs> It's a long way, That's a long um, and way. it is a very long flight, trust me. <laughs> you know what? And I've never done those long flights. I, the furthest I've ever flown, I, I should not admit this, the furthest I've ever flown is L.A. I've never been to Europe. Mm. I mean, I've been to the Bahamas. I've been to Venezuela, you know, but we're talking yeah. Bahamas. I mean, it's, it's an hour and a half from Miami, and Miami for me is an hour and 40 minutes from here. No, about two hours and 10 wow. minutes. Yeah, so I can get to Miami. If I started driving now, I'd be to Miami, it's 1,100 miles, you know, but uh, for us, and I don't know if you, you said you've been to the U.S. Uh, three times, you said? Correct, I have, yeah. Yeah, so for me, the East Coast is, well, for everyone, the East Coast is a lot different than the West Coast. So the East Coast, mm. I could get in my car, drive for eight hours, and I could be almost outside of the United States, you know, going north. Wow. Yeah, oh no, yeah. I could, so if I leave here, I travel through Maryland, 
Pennsylvania, Delaware, New Jersey, New York, Massachusetts, Connecticut. I Yeah, I can go through seven states in the next eight hours. You know, on the West wow. Coast, like, you could drive for eight hours and still be in California. I'm sorry, you were going to say? Like to give people in the US the size of New Zealand. I mean, we are two islands. Well, three, but technically two main islands that make up New Zealand. I'm in the Southern Island or the South Island. Okay. For me to drive to the other coast, or the other side of the South Island, three and a half hours okay. by car. So we're quite small, you know. Right, right. Um, So when I, I mean, the first time I got to the US, um, or if indeed if your listeners have been to Australia as well, they know what I mean. Big countries compared to what we're used to. You know, Australia's huge. Right. So is the US. Yes. So. Well, so, and if we go east to west, I can start in the westernmost point of Maryland, and it would take me four and a half hours, and I would still be in Maryland going west to east, for example. Wow. Yeah. Oh, Mm. goodness. Yes, 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 yes. And Huge. You know, you so you've been here, but you could go through Texas. It could take you all day to go through Texas, and you're still in Texas. And of course, we border Mexico, and you know, to yeah. the north, we border Canada. And I've been all through Canada and all throughout the U.S. But uh, no, I have not been adventurous enough to my in-laws. They've been to Australia maybe twice. I can't think. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been to Alaska a bunch of times, and going to Alaska's almost like going to a different country. Um, it is way, way, actually, that's the furthest I've ever flown is Alaska because California I'd love closer. to get to Alaska. Um, I am planning, hopefully, in the next 10 years, um, a motorcycle tour that starts in South America, goes through the US and ends up in Canada. That's uh, on my bucket list, to need, a motorcycle tour. I need you so. to do that, and I'll tell you why. Because... I've been to Alaska twice, and I did one of the tours on the glaciers, and the young lady was in her 20s. She told me by the time she retires, that glacier will not be you know, what it is anymore. So we're, we're, the Correct. global warming thing is for real, but I've, I've been mm. fortunate to see bears and elk and bald eagles and the glaciers and all of that. It's beautiful. It's not, you don't think you're in the United States anymore, for those of us from here. Tell me about Go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, I'm, I'm dying. I cannot wait to see polar bears. Um, it's one of my things. I don't want to see them in the zoo. I want to see them in the wild. Now, the last time I was in Boston, mm-hmm. we, or was it San Francisco? No, it might have been Boston. We were doing the tourist thing on the buses going round and round, and you know, I got a tour. And the guy said, oh, we're going to go see polar bears. And I was in the back of the bus, and I, sh- I kind of said it too loudly. I was like, fantastic, right. polar bears. I'm really looking forward to it. And everyone on the bus laughed at me, and so did my wife. And... The conductor stopped and said, polar bears? No, no, no. We're going to see Paul Revere. <laughs> so, the, the, you, accent, the accent you see, I thought he said polar bears, and I was very excited. <laughs> well, you, you've been on the tour that I've been on, because I've been on that exact same tour going through Boston, be it a regular yep. tour or a duck boat tour. I've seen the Cheers Bar, which is one of my favorite television shows here in oh, the United yeah. States. Um, I've been there. But uh, so... What, now, why were you here? What made you come here? Just as a vacation? Um, or? No, my wife, uh, second wife, um, had family in New York. Um, she had relations in Queens, New York, and she had more family scattered up New York State going north. And she, one of her best friends lived up in Albany, top mm-hmm. end of New York State. So we'd come on holiday, usually spend a week exploring somewhere else in the US, then end up in New York, spend time with her family, and then migrate up New York State. Um, so I've got to see, we went to San Francisco one trip, we did Boston, we did LA, and of course, you know, I know New York State quite well, um, and it's a beautiful state. Right, I so, love it. So um, you and I have walked some the, of the same grounds. Yeah, we have. I mean, New York State, 
to give an example of New Zealand history, there's houses in New York State that are older than New Zealand as a country. Wow. Boston as well, um, I bet. And yeah. I mean, in Boston, oh, the architecture in Boston is fantastic. Um, but I think my favorite place I visited was definitely San Francisco. I loved it. Never um, been. Just amazing. Um, got to, you know, visit the Civil Rights Museum. Um and oh, it's just so much history in San Fran. Um, got to go to Alcatraz. That was a great tour. Um, I think my highlight, though, was the uh, – I'm not sure if you know this or you want me to talk about it, but there's a museum in San Francisco dedicated to the vibrator. Okay, talk. Let's talk about it. That was fantastic. I never knew the history of the vibrator. Okay. And you go into this museum and it tells you all the history and how the vibrator came about. And I'm not going to spoil it for people. Go to San Fran, go to the vibrator museum. It'll blow your mind. It's just truly, I've, I've used a story about it on stage in comedy. Um, it's, it's amazing. The history. Never ever knew that. No, I did not. I did not know that at all. So <laughs> you come, so tell me, so talk to us about New Zealand. My friend, I have one friend who's been, I imagine that my in-laws, they had to get there because when you cruise Australia, New Zealand's got to be a part of that, right? Yeah, we're, um, New Zealand's about a three-hour flight from Australia. Okay. Um, it's so close. I've lived in Australia for about three and a half, four years in my younger days. Most New Zealanders, we don't see Australia as an overseas destination. It's okay. It's, it's yeah it's the same as going to Canada for people in the US it's, right. it's your neighbor you don't class it but New Zealand we're a small country we have just over five million people um, scattered across two islands we still have a lot of native forest um, a lot of beer land um, we're not completely urbanized like a lot of countries yet okay. we punch above our weight in a lot of sporting endeavors like you know rugby um, we're the world champions many times. Cricket, we do pretty well at. Yachting, we've just attained the America's Cup. Um, so it's a great wee country. We're not perfect, but... No, but, but you licked COVID. You, you figured that one out, right? Yeah, we did. We had to. <laughs> well, that, that is excellent. So, no, I, I, I would love to get there. You know, I've, I've seen photos and all of that. Um, what, talk to me about the climate. Um. It's funny you mentioned global warming before. Like a lot of people say, hey, we don't believe in climate change. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen the climate change in New Zealand. Um, but what people don't realize is everyone knows there's a hole in the ozone layer. Mm -hmm. That hole is over New Zealand and Australia. So if you come here in the summer, bring suntan lotion because you will burn. Uh -oh. um, I work outside and I wear SPF 50 suntan lotion and I still have a tan. Wow. Okay. Um, but our summers can be very, very hot. Um, anywhere from kind of, yeah, your 28 up to your 40 degrees Celsius. Ouch. So that must be up near 100. Yeah. Um, but in the winter, you know, most days around about the 5 or 6 degrees Celsius. Um, most mornings when I go to work, it's negative 2, negative 3 degrees Celsius. Okay. Um, but say the good thing, say an example of one of the things I love about Christchurch where I live is in the morning and winter, you'll wake up and it's a frosty morning. Mm -hmm. But a frosty morning always means a sunny afternoon without fail. Okay. So, you know. But I mean, we're like anywhere. The North Island is more humid than the South Island. The South Island's a very dry heat. So if you can imagine a hair dryer on your face, that's right. what the South Island heat feels like. It's dry. Uh, whereas the North Island is a very humid place. 
So, and we've got that here. So in the Washington DC area, we'll get up to a hundred or 105 degrees. Um, and then there's the feels like temperature because we've got that humidity Yeah, and it is, I mean, you, I, I told my wife before she moved here, she's from Western New York that it will smack you in the face. It is oppressive heat. It is oppressive heat. And then you've got mosquitoes and you've got this, that, and the other and blah, blah, blah. So that, that's what we deal with here. But of course you go to Florida, it's, you know, the temperature is great all year long. You, you've been to Boston. I hope you haven't gone in the winter time. It could be cold. It could be feet of snow. Oh, yeah. It could be. It could be bad. Yeah. And then you go up to you know the Midwest and you get into uh, Minnesota, Michigan, and, and Iowa and Wisconsin, and they've got snow until, you know, April, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's our spring here. Yeah. Um, my wife, Christine, always made the point of when we went to the U.S., it was either in spring or autumn. Yeah. It was never summer. It was never winter. Um, I remember the first trip to New York, we arrived in spring and there was still snow on the ground and i couldn't believe how cold it was <laughs> right well we get that and, and my wife remembers that uh at the in the middle of uh fall uh when she was a child they had to go do their halloween candy whatever in mm. you know in uh, uh, snow suits because there's snow on the ground but now here in the dc area we don't get much snow um, you know, a few inches here, a few inches there. Um, I have lived through some snowstorms, snowmageddon and the blizzards, uh, where we get two or three feet of snow. And, you know, so we, we've gotten that. We've had that. Oh, wow. Okay. And our city will we, shut down. We don't down, get you know? snow very often. So, um, but when we do get snow, usually every once, once every seven to eight years, we'll get a dumping in Christchurch, which is four or five feet. Oh, wow. And because we're not geared up for snow, it shuts the city down right. for while the snow's here. Um, but that's once a decade. Um, and from memory, we haven't had one in the last 10 years like that. So Okay, so it's coming your way, fella. Mm, <laughs> more time for writing. Well, there you go. <laughs> I love that. Well, look, I'm enjoying what we're doing. Tell me, what else do the people need to know? I want to get your brand out there. How do people connect with you? I mean, Instagram. Um, I am. I do have a page on Facebook called the Demok Chu Series, mm -hmm. but Instagram Nath Bry is probably the easiest way. In fact, if people follow me on Instagram, once a week I put up videos called Sharing the Journey. Okay. Um, I'm not one of those authors that's going to hide away. Um, I like to share what I'm going through. So so far, there's four videos up where I talk about different aspects of the writing, uh, whether it's emotions or character development or storylines. I, I I want to be an author that people have access to that they can follow and see what the process is like. So Instagram, Nath Bry is the easiest way to follow. Well, I want you guys to follow him on Instagram. That's Nath Bry. Just what you see on the screen. I know it because I connected with you. I typed it in and there you were. Nathan, mm. uh, what else? Is there anything else? I'm ready to close out the show. This has been excellent. But, oh, I got to tell you what I tell all my guests. You owe me one thing. We have to do this again. Oh, fantastic. Yep. Anytime. I mean, if you get a chance to read the book, fantastic i'm not sure if you're into fantasy but the book is more than just fantasy i mean it's the book's about brotherhood okay. it's about slavery um so there's some pretty big tough themes in that first book um but it's it was a joy to write and from all the feedback i've had from friends family and a couple of strangers around the world that have reached out they've loved it how, and they're all anticipating book two how dark is it can i can my 12 year old read it no okay well, right. it's up to you how open-minded you are. Like, there is swear words in it because it's slavery. There's some horrible scenes in it. I would I would say a mature 16-year-old okay. 
otherwise 18 plus because um, there is swear words there is dark themes there is a lot of violence it's it's okay. about gladiator combat so right. and i don't mind the swear words i mean our, our, our kids kind of hear that anyway inside the home but, yeah <laughs> but the rest of the material might be so maybe I, I pick it up for myself and then we you know we see where we can go from yeah. there oh, fantastic man. yep Nathan, thanks for joining the conversation, fella, and taking the time to Thank chat with me today, of course. Um, hang on a minute. I'm going to close out the show, and I'm going to put you backstage, and we are going to... Uh we're going to get together backstage so we can talk a little bit more. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank Nathan Bryant for joining us today. Thanks, Nathan. Thank you, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, that will do it for today's episode of Conversations with Curtis. Be sure to connect with me socially at Curtis Talks on IG and Twitter, www.curtistalks.com. You can also email me with podcast ideas, and if you know a guest or want to be a guest on the show, someone who has a story to tell, I want to see you, I want to hear you, I want to tell your story. Just send an email to curtisandpaula at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out our podcast family, The Curtis and Paula Show, Take a T.O. with Turner and O'Neill, Ramblin' Teachers, and of course, Midnight Truck Stop and 911 Radio, hosted by Big Tony and the Blue Knight out there in Cali. You'll find our family of podcasts just about anywhere you find your podcast content. Thanks for joining the conversation today. Feel free to spread the word. And as always, thank you, Khadijah. We'll see you next time. Crosstalk Conversations with Curtis can be heard on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Music, and just about anywhere podcasts can be found. You know, there are a few relationships more solid than the bond between a man and his barber. For years, I've gotten my cut with Gene the Barber. Gene has been cutting my hair for more than 20 years. Call him directly at 240-687-7253 and make an appointment. Gene the Barber, 240-687-7253. A-Squared Home and Office Solutions is the go-to source for home or office network and audiovisual solutions. We can help with smart home integration, wireless networking, media rooms, security systems, and more. We will link technology to your lifestyle seamlessly. Visit homeandofficesolutions.com for more info.